This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper, back from his vacation in L.A. We never found out what you were doing in L.A., by the way. We talked about it a little bit on the show last week, but we were we were making guesses. About what I was going to do in L.A.? Yeah. Uh, my, our, I, you know him, DJ Foster. Oh, that's right. Okay. He got, he got married. We did, yeah. In Temecula. Okay. In, that's a great place. Right. And the invite said, meet us in Temecula. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it was a lovely ceremony. It was a great weekend. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I guess I, in retrospect, I did know this on Instagram, after, I guess, ap- after it happened. But sure. Still. I un- ac- inaccurately, unaccurately, that's a word, I'm a writer, I inaccurately got cut off uh, from the bar. What, what, it, what did this, you do? I didn't do anything. They, <laughs> they confused me for someone else. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. I went up there, I said, may I have a beer? This was, you know, like an hour or two after the ceremony. And uh, they said, uh, you can have water or sweet tea or lemonade. And I thought, huh, I guess the bar's done? Yeah. And then I saw other people getting alcohol, and I thought, well, that's not right. And then our friend Charlie cleared it up with the bartender, and it was a misunderstanding. Well, I'm glad. I was very confused, though. Glad everything worked yeah, out for you. Great time. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations to the Fosters. Yeah. I, I yeah met them in Vegas, and uh, I've met DJ before, but yeah, yeah both of them are, are neat people. Uh, anyway, we've got basketball to talk about on the show. Uh, definitely so, the Olympic sort of. Tournament is going on, yeah. so we'll talk about that. Um, U.S., Brazil, France, Spain, Australia, uh, all of those Serbia? are teams that are participating. Serbia in the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, I don't have many Serbia thoughts, so I'm hoping you do. I do. I have a okay. lot of Serbia thoughts. Good. Yeah. Well, I have a few. I would uh, say a lot. We'll come at you with how the Jazz players are doing uh, or have done for those who have been eliminated, so that's everybody but Joe Ingles. Yeah. And uh, we'll go in or out. Some Olympic in route themed activities, uh, points, including whether, what we think about Ryan Lochte's story. I love uh, it. <laughs> early, about, early preview, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> talk about jazz expectations and actually their defense in the clutch last year. I had an article on KSL.com this week about how they performed defensively in the clutch. And spoiler alert, it's not good. Not good at all. Uh, so I wanted to kind of figure out, and actually at kind of the prompting of some people in the jazz organization, I want to figure out how or why this happened. And I looked at it a little bit. So okay. we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll go around the NBA. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll answer your questions, etc. As always, we welcome your questions, comments, concerns, especially concerns. Oh, yeah. I at- only want concerns. At Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops are our Twitter handles. You can all also call us if you're if you're feeling so uh, I don't know talkative. Eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. We also recently learned about the Wizard of New Zealand. This is stunning. There's an official Wizard of New Zealand. <laughs> this guy. This is a person. He's not even from New Zealand. He was born in London. Oh. He wow. didn't get over to that part of the world until it looks like the 60s. Using magic. Using magic. Um, in 1982, the New Zealand Art Gallery Directors Association issued a statement that, in their opinion, the wizard was an authentic living work of art. And then, in 1990, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Mike Moore, an old friend of the wizards, oh. <laughs> appointed him the official wizard of New Zealand. You know, 
I think that's that shows how much power really relationships have, right? It's not everyone always says it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. If you know the prime minister of New Zealand, he can make you wizard of New Zealand. Yeah. And no one bats an eye. <laughs> <laughs> this is um the, you know there's an Uberfax account it's on awful. Twitter. I don't like it. It's really not great, but every once in a while they get something, you know, ruminating in the hell the old head. Because they tweeted out something like, there's an official Wizard of New Zealand. This is one of their facts that is true, though. You've verified it with a New Zealander. Right. And on the internet. And so. on Wikipedia. <laughs> it can't be wrong. Those are two <laughs> reputable sources. I don't think this New Zealander would lie to me, or at least not about this. Right. So I think we're in the clear. <laughs> Good. All right, let's talk about the Olympics. We'll probably talk more about New Zealand. And we want to talk about Ryan Lochte, let's be honest. But the Olympics are fun, too. Olympic basketball. Uh, let's start with Team USA because they've been a little bit sketchy. Uh, first of all, started down big to it's it, ten points is pretty big. Down to, nineteen to nine, yeah. Early uh, on. Argentina, yeah, nineteen to nine, as you pointed out, only beat uh, Serbia and uh, France. France by three each. Yeah, each. So those are worrying yeah. uh, results for what should be by far and away the best team in the world. The win over Australia ended up being 10 points, but it was much closer than that until like kind yeah. of the final 45 seconds or so. And in the end, like they're not playing defense, right? Like To right. give up 97 points uh, to France without Tony Parker in a 40-minute game, that's pretty bad. Not ideal. <laughs> no. That's not great basketball. And especially when you've got Tom Thibodeau on your assistant coaching staff. Like yeah. He's supposed to be the guy there. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess Coach K is also capable of coaching defense, but I'm not convinced yeah. at this College point players. that he is. Right. We've uh, never uh, seen him coach an NBA player before. Wh- <laughs> right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Except for those gold medals in 2008 and 2012. Well, those, those don't count. <laughs> this is a new Team USA. It's a right. new America. Uh, what can what can we do to make America great again, Zach? Oh boy, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, they could play defense. I mean, is it that simple? Like, they're it's it, it seems like one. I don't think the offense is really an issue. Like, Clay Thompson's shooting thirty percent right now. Yeah. Um, I actually think he's shooting too close. I think he should take a step back. He's kind of shooting right on the international three point mm. line. I think it's messing with him a little bit. Okay. Uh, that's my. Do you think the ball's messing with him at all? I think the ball is horrible. In what way? Like, objectively horrible? Looking, uh, apparently the feel is different. Okay. Um, I think that that probably matters. Now, it's a basketball. He's a professional basketball player. He should be able to deal with it. But I do think the ball matters, yeah. Okay. No, I I think it matters. This is the only country that's not, you know, not really comfortable with it or or not really using it a lot. Yeah. So I don't know if that factors in. I think it, I think it probably does. But if you look at, like, the outside shooting of the team, um, I don't know, like, that's some of the problem, I think. But then Mello made nine of fifteen in the Australia game. You know, right? Because like, Mello's awesome at twenty-two footers. Like he's <laughs> that's what he does. Okay. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant went off yesterday. Right. Uh, against Argentina, I think he was like seven of nine from three. But yeah, overall, I mean, they struggled to shoot the ball from outside in those five exhibition games. Team USA is shooting thirty-eight percent from the field. Okay, that's, that's better. That's better than 2012. Yeah, I, I 2012 take, I think was 34 and a half percent. That's also the uh, best team in the competition. Okay. So, so what do we know? Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the other teams that are struggling with the ball. Yeah, but uh, but offensively I think they're fine. Like I think they're missing a lot of open shots and I think you'll live with that, right? Yeah. Uh defensively though, it's weird because DeAndre Jordan was finally as good defensively last year as Doc Rivers had pretended he was the previous 3 years. Yeah. 
Um, but he hasn't been good defensively in the, in the Olympics so far. No, I've almost kind of liked Boogie Cousins' defense a little right. bit more. Um, um, Draymond, and definitely Draymond at center has been an improvement. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I he struggled against Australia and he struggled a little bit against Jokic. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I kind of think they don't have that presence inside, and and when the shots don't fall, it puts a little bit more pressure on them defensively, and they're not performing unless Paul George and Kyle Lowry are on the court. So. Maybe those guys should play 40 minutes? Yeah. I, I, Paul George really, I thought, turned the Argentina game around he was with awesome. playing defense yeah. in the first quarter. He made one mistake, like one egregious mistake defensively pretty much the whole game and was incredible outside of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he he was excellent, and I think you can make a case that he should be in the starting lineup. Uh, well, I, I do wonder is – because he kind of reminds me of the Andre Iguodala role, right, okay. where like go in there and just defend. Right, like obviously, if right. he scores and he scored, I, I don't know, like seventeen points. I think he was the second leading scorer in yesterday's game. But if you go in there and score, great, you can do that. But just go be like I called it with Iguodal, like it's bath salt defense. Like he just go eat someone's face. Like mm-hmm. that's how you have to defend. Just be all over them and make their life, you know, miserable. Um, and so having that guy off the bench, I think, can be a game changer. What if he starts and then? They they still struggle defensively to start a game, and they don't have that change of pace guy or that Paul George to come off the bench. Is that a huge problem? Then you've got Jimmy Butler, I guess. Like, who yeah, but has, I, mean, I don't know. He's been all right. Yeah, he hasn't been great. I don't think he. I, some of these guys, I don't think, have been playing at a hundred percent. Quite frankly, I think they're yeah. kind of playing at summer. Yeah, I think. They, I mean, I think they expect like it's not two thousand four bad, but I do think right. these guys expect to just kind of blow these teams out. Yeah, I, I think Paul George is one of those players. Maybe Jimmy Butler becomes a 100% kind of guy if you put him on the bench and make yeah. him, I, I, you know, I'm guessing at this point, right, right on, on a player psychology, but it, it might work. And and with the team defense, like, there is a lack of cohesiveness, right? Like, these yeah. guys haven't played together that much, so right. there's some communication issues, it sounds like. I mean, we saw that definitely against Australia with their ability to move the ball. They've done a really good job of that on the offensive end. Yeah. And, and France, too, obviously, are players who move all really well and, and work together as a team. I think these guys, especially Argentina, uh, played more together right. than Team USA has. Yeah, but there is a there's a depth issue there. Oh, that the other teams right and there's a non issue so if you can get those things to and that's kind of what happened against Argentina right. Argentina had the great start but when they go to their bench it's just a lot different than the USA going to their bench and they and they just couldn't keep up is what's up with Kyrie's defense i mean it's never been great in his but in the nba finals it's able to good on on Steph Curry uh, yeah it was fine um i think the team defense did more against Steph Curry than Kyrie did individually okay um but in this, I mean, I don't know. Like, I like the way he defended in the 2014 World Cup, the FIBA okay. World Cup. Uh, I thought he was a really good defender for Team USA then. This time, like, he's it, – it looks like any time they get him and DeAndre Jordan in a pick and roll, it's a bucket. Yeah. Right? They don't seem to have that communication or just the the understanding of where each other needs to be or whatever it is. Like, those guys are kind of getting picked apart, whereas, for whatever reason, DeMarcus Cousins is defending much better. Uh, obviously, Draymond, when he's at center, defends that, those switching situations a lot better. And it seems like teams, uh, certainly Argentina early on in that game, um, are just running a lot of, like, just handoff screens. Yeah. You know? And it, and the communication on the switching isn't there, and then they get open shots. And, yeah. And then if they hit them, then you're in trouble. I'm in on uh, Argentina's Facundo Capazzo, though. He's, that guy he's is a... That guy's an instigator. That guy's a rebel rouser. That guy is trouble. <laughs> He's trying to pick fights with everybody. Yeah. 
And he's got a, kind of a nice little tight crossover. Yeah, he's got a nice crossover. Kind of, had a floater game going. Yeah. Um, he made a floater from like 19 feet in the first he quarter. He got mad at Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving crossed up his teammate and just embarrassed <laughs> him on it. And then like the next time, like two two different times, he like got you know got in his face. And then eventually DeAndre Jordan stepped in and it looked like Composo was, well, I can't back down now, but this guy is a lot bigger than Kyrie. I don't know what I should <laughs> do going, here. This, this is not going to go well. Pretty poorly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so far he's the eighth leading scorer of the tournament, uh, and I, I like what I've seen from him. I guess more offensively than defensively, yeah. right? He's kind of too small to defend right. well. Yeah. More. But he's kind of like a light version of what Milos Teodosic used to be. Yeah. Uh, like just got a guy who can really run a pick and roll, get in the middle of the floor, and cause problems. Speaking of which, he Teodosic had some amazing passes oh. against Team USA yeah, and, and really throughout the tournament. He can sling it. That guy can just move the ball around. I wanted to talk about him a little bit later on in the show, but I'll bring it up now. He uh, had an interview in Serbia. Uh, is, it, is he Serbian or Croatian? I'm He's sorry. Serbian. Yeah. Serbian, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, basically said there were two NBA teams that he would be interested in playing right. for, the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz, Oh, uh, because of his relationship with Quinn Snyder. Okay. Uh, Where were you last year when they uh, needed a point guard? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, now we've got four. Yeah, it's, now it's kind of a lot. Now they're good. They don't, they don't need him anymore. Yeah. And, and now he's old and, I don't know, he's not the Teodosic of old. But if you put that player with the team last year, maybe they get a couple more wins? Maybe. And a couple more wins is playoffs. Right. Yeah. Although, defensively, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's a great defender. No. He's um, notoriously awful. Right. It kind of it kind of makes me wonder like all right, if I played defense at the international level, would it look worse than that? I mean, probably, <laughs> right? Cuz like he's way bigger than me and more athletic, but yeah. it may, but it's it's but bad enough. Not sure. Right, but it's bad enough to think about it for a second. Yeah, that that you're thinking that right. you're asking the question is, right. is not It's a like, good well, sign. I can fall asleep there. That's fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, fair enough. Uh <laughs> I, I worry about that, too. I don't think that he's going to be coming to the NBA ever and, and no. probably not the Utah Jazz. But he's not it's kind of cool to have international players. I thought he was. He's like 29, 30? No, he's, I thought he's older. Let's, I may have just lied let's about that. Up. I thought he was like 34. He's 29. 29? What? Yeah. Why does he still? It seems like he's been around for 30 years. Yeah. Okay, you're right. All right, he's in his prime. It's, Bring yeah. him over. <laughs> it's happening. Five this is cards. his prime defense. Yikes. Wow. All right, anyway, enough Milos Teodosic talk because that's what the people want. Uh, Brazil out in the preliminary round. Yeah, they're just not very good. Yeah, which I'm kind of bummed with because they they did stick. They had that great comeback against Lithuania. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, That was the first game. That was their first game. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. And then and, it was downhill after that. Right. Uh, the the matchup against Argentina didn't go as, no. as hoped. And, right. Anyway, I, I'm bummed for Howell Neto. Uh, he, 4.8 points per game, 1.4 rebounds per game, 2.6 assists per game, only shot 31% from the field mm. in 18 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it looked early like he was going to be maybe the favorite point guard. Uh, I thought he should play over Marcelo Huertas. And then, quite frankly, he didn't have the ball as much of it in his hands and yeah. couldn't make a shot. It reminded me a little bit of how... Ricky Rubio used to be used for Spain, where he would like bring the ball up the court and then give it up to some, to another guard and then go stand in the corner. Yeah, it wasn't quite as dramatic as that, but it it reminded me a little bit of just like, and they really do. They just give the veteran guys the ball more, mm-hmm. and and then hopefully when he's like twenty eight, twenty nine, then he'll be that guy that in Tokyo or wherever that's um that's allowed to run the team. Right, but it's weird it, that there's like this whole like 
tenure thing that is just weird to me. Yeah, no, it does seem like that happens more internationally. Yeah, where there's no to... way he's not as good as Marcelo Huertas at this point. Right. Like, there's just no way. But he, Huertas is getting more of the time in the ball. Right. I mean, Leandro Barbosa is probably a better player. Yeah, he should he should but, have the ball over Howell Neto, right? right? But not Marcelo Huertas right. at 39 years old or whatever he is. Agreed. Uh, France lost big to Spain in the quarterfinals yesterday. Yeah, that uh, wasn't close. Yeah, but... Just Spain kind of passing circles around France. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gobert kind of looks lost in space a little bit, or at least it did in that game, I felt. Yeah, I've noticed this with the Team USA as well, and it seems to be like I think the NBA messes with their head to where they don't really, they're not really reminded like they can play defense differently and probably more effectively if you're DeAndre Jordan or Rudy Gobert in the international game, and they're not clearing the ball above the cylinder almost ever. Rudy. You could do so much by clearing the ball. Yeah. Like when the ball bounces above the cylinder, you can go get it. You can go get it. Right. Yeah, I just barely saw him try. Like he was, I think he was a more impactful player yeah. in the world championships uh, when he was playing the Gasol brothers and kind of shut them down a little right. bit. He I was mean, it was great. It was kind of his coming out party, right? right? And now I, I, you can make a case that he's regressed since then. I, and maybe that's the knee injury, and maybe that's sure, the, yeah. maybe that's just that it's not as important to him. Maybe it's that it's one game, and players can have one Ooh, bad game. What if it's a silent protest that his friend Evan Fournier was not Ooh. selected for the team? I mean, if you wanted to do that, you might as well just not go, right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Although then you miss out on a free trip to Brazil. That's true. So yeah. you have to do. <laughs> so you do have to go. You have to do the bare minimum of basketballing. Some pros and cons, but right. I mean, he only played twenty minutes a game, yeah. forty minute games. You would expect, and he was a player that was just ranked number one as the best international player in the game right now by right. ESPN. You would think that that player would get more than twenty minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, they have a little bit of depth of the position with um, with Joffrey Laverne, right? And they can play Boris Dio at center, right. but yeah, like he's the best rim protector in the world, yeah. or at least in the country. <laughs> You would think you would want him in there as much as possible, protecting the rim. Yeah, are, are you worried at all about his lack of offensive development? At least that we've seen on the court, right? Like we see practice videos of him nailing threes, and that's right. kind of cool. But yeah, uh, I, I this was my concern. I was very wrong about Rudy Gobert, but I really didn't. When he was a draft prospect, I wasn't big on him in any way, and I thought he would be kind of a bust because right. he's so awkwardly tall yeah. that he can't get a ton of leverage, and and he. And not getting being able to get that leverage, he doesn't appear very strong with the ball. And so it kind of makes him awkward mm. when he has the ball. And I do think that that's a concern in the NBA because I don't know that you can trust him on pick and rolls. I don't know you can trust him. I don't know how much you want to post him up anyway. But on a quick post up, like I don't know how much you trust him with the ball. Even on offensive rebounds, if he's not getting a dunk up right away, like I don't know how effective he can be. Now, right. all that stuff is correctable. Like He just has to find more comfort or adjust the speed of the game or whatever do you think it is. It is? Like if, given his body shape, do you think that is adjustable or, or he can do something about those? Yeah. Things? I think, I mean, I think, I think he needs like more flexibility in okay. his hips or legs or whatever. Like he, I think he needs more flexibility because that will allow him to kind of get more explosion just as, you know, an outsider looking in. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily about strength at this point. He just needs to learn how to maximize his, his body type. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I am worried that because it does seem like his his hands and maybe a little bit the athleticism have gotten worse from year yeah. two to year three. And maybe that's uh, the knee injury. Exactly. Right. Knee injury makes a lot of sense there. Uh, but it does seem like the rebounds that he was getting earlier are harder. than their tips rather than yeah. grabs. Uh, and kind of the that pick and roll pass where he's getting it down low. He's not as sure-handed as he used to be. Yeah, and also like, 
the league has adjusted to him a little bit, right? Yeah. Like oh, he's not sure. an unknown anymore, so he's going to get more attention on the boards. He's going to get more attention when he gets the ball. They're going to know like, hey, this guy can pro- will probably turn it over or throw up a bad shot if you really swarm him. Right. And that's going to happen, and that's on him to adjust to. I don't think it's necessarily a problem long term. I think he has plenty of time, and they have plenty of coaching that can figure out ways to, to get around that or to solve it or whatever. But yeah, like I think even if he's only ever as good as he is defensively now, he's still an incredible player for this Jazz team, right? Right. But the, if it does limit his ceiling outside of that, like I don't know, that's di- it's disappointing. Like you're not going to say like, all right, well now we don't want him. He's still awesome defensively, and you will take that, especially with this way th- the way this team is uh, structured. But yeah, like that's probably a little disappointing. Yeah. Do you then wait to give him a max contract until next year. Um, I mean, if you think it makes sense cap space wise, yeah. If you don't think it's going to make a huge difference in terms of your cap flexibility, then then I would give it, it to him now. Okay. Yeah, you're going to give it to him anyway at some point, so okay. might as well do it now. Uh, Australia's been looking good. They they've looked very good to the semis. They're three point five point favorites against Serbia in the semis. Yeah, uh, they're passing the ball well. Joe Ingles as their best wing has not turned out to be a huge problem. It's been incredible how little of a problem that is. <laughs> and Matty Delavadova has been He's really like stellar. One of the best passers in the tournament. He's playing well offensively in terms of scoring the ball. Patty Mills is like St. Mary's Patty, Patty Mills again. Yeah. Like he's, he's been awesome. Um, Bogut is jumping out of the building despite right. still recovering from a knee injury yeah, in the finals. Hugely encouraging if you're a Mavs fan. Yeah, incredible. Um yeah, and I do think that they should thank Spain for not taking the first two games of group play very seriously because yep. that's going to probably get them in a gold medal game. But, hey, you get there. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, and, I mean, it's not their fault that Spain no. was terrible. In Take the advantage of the of the road in front of you. Patty Mills averaging 21.2 points per game so far, uh, and they've just been, like you said, Bogut's been so good. Uh, they've been really good defensively. They've been Back cutting really well. That's what I noticed they did well against yeah. Team USA. They re- and they killed France with that. Like, just absolutely picked them apart. Delhi's leading the tournament in assists with 7.7 per game. Um, I mean, it's it's all just, it's all good. Yeah. Do you think they beat Serbia? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like Serbia. I think it's a good team, but um, I don't know if they're going to be able to handle Baines and Bogut inside. Okay. Um, Manu retired, or that's... Basically said he's done on the international stage. I mean, yeah. he's too old to really have... He's 38. Right, another so, Olympics. Right, he's going to play at 42, it seems <laughs> unlikely. Uh, and, and really, World Cup or World Championship or whatever it is now, yeah. that's, it's probably just doesn't make sense. Uh, but fans in Rio gave him a huge ovation. He's awesome. Is, he's really like... I. There are some people that just associate him with flopping, and no. that breaks my heart. Like That dude is such an incredible basketball player. Uh, one of my favorite moments about his career was Kobe was either not in the playoffs or had been eliminated from the playoffs. He was on Inside the NBA, okay. and they were showing Manu highlights. This is like 2007 or so, and he was just like marveling on air at how good he, uh, how good Manu is, and how um, like picking apart like how crafty these moves are and why they work and everything. And it was cool to see like Kobe Bryant of all people just lauding over this guy, like just loving this guy's game. And I think more people should. Yeah, he's one of those NBA uh, players that. Other NBA players are really impressed with. Kent Bazemore loves him. Really? Loves him. Like, I've tweeted about it a couple times. Kent Bazemore has been like, that guy is so hard to guard. He never stops moving. Huh. Like, any praise of managing Obi, it seems like Kent Bazemore is retweeting it. He's got crazy vision. Like, unbelievable vision, unbelievable touch on the ball for passing. Like, yeah. if you just go and look at 
Manu Ginobili passes on YouTube, you can have an incredible 45 minutes. And then after those 45 minutes, or maybe before or during, whatever, check out the Zach Lowe article oh, on him last week. Oh, so good. Too, yeah, cause... ESPN, Zach Lowe, Manu Ginobili. All you need to know. <laughs> Google those terms. Google those terms. <laughs> <laughs> Throw you'll, in the all you need to know luck. as well. Uh, Tony Parker might be retiring as well. He's another oldie. Yeah. Who's, uh, I think he actually did say he was done right. in uh, international basketball with France after this tournament. Now maybe Evan Fournier can make the team. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> can Evan Fournier be an Olympian? <laughs> You'd hope so. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going in or out with Olympic uh, uh, Olympic players, Olympic stories, Olympic teams. I mean, basically everything. Everything. Olympics. Yes. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Are you in or are you out? We'll decide now on Salt City Hoops. Yes, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. All right, we're doing in or out this week on Olympic Basically, Olympic basketball players, teams, etc. Let's get started. Let's do it. Carmelo Anthony, best U.S. player ever. In. Yeah, really? In. I like. Okay, so he scored the most points. Right. The best. Why not? I'd say he has a bigger impact on USA basketball than anyone else in in history. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of on the court, like obviously David Stern putting NBA players in there. Kobe 08. Yeah, but I mean, Carmelo was scoring like 25 points or whatever in like 18 minutes or whatever. I mean, that's probably not, <laughs> not accurate numbers, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, it was still, it was still a big impact. Yeah, yeah I mean. Three I, gold medals, a bronze medal that wasn't his fault, probably because he didn't play yeah. with LeBron and Wade. I honestly, I don't remember how good like and the distribution of the first two dream teams, right? Of the distribution right. of scoring and Well, dominance. here's the fun. Like, he just beat Jordan's thing, right? I think right. Jordan only played once. <laughs> right? Oh, didn't he play? Oh, twice? no. He played in before they allowed the dream team, right? right? When he was a collegiate. Um, so, Jordan was a pretty good scorer. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think you can make a case. I think he's definitely top three. Uh, I might be out on best player ever. In. All right. And I'm in on the Carmelo Carmelo Sants, Carmelo Renaissance. You think he, you're in on him for next season? No, but I, I just like oh. him. I really like him. I like. <laughs> okay. I still like watching him. I don't care if the Knicks suck. I don't care if he doesn't play defense. I like watching him score. Cool. Yeah. That's uh, why can't more people be like you, Zach? Just be positive. <laughs> That's what it, a lot of people are wondering. Why can't more people <laughs> be like me? <laughs> uh, here's a good one. Players not in Rio would take gold medal so you know you've got lebron steph curry Kawhi leonard james harden i think there's no doubt i'm in on them russell westbrook anthony davis blake griffin damian lillard john wall yeah. gordon hayward chris paul paul Millsap. that was the 12 i came up with yeah easy easy win gold that's a better team than we brought in so in or out players not in reno in rio would dominate the current team usa in dominate yeah they got lebron and steph all right i'm in on this too it, dominate like they win by 25 yeah it's like Basically, it'd be like the Cavs Hawks semifinal. Whoa! With like, wow! With like the Steph disrespect. We're talking Kevin Durant and I know Carmelo Anthony's the greatest against the U.S. DeRozan Olympian ever. Lowry. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> the great John Schumann of NBA.com tweeted out like a graph of like their three games leading up to the the Argentinian game, mm. and uh, and everyone was a plus 
on the or everyone who had played was a plus net rating, right. except for DeMar DeRozan, who was a minus 30. Oh, no. They were getting outscored by 30 <laughs> points per 100 possessions with DeMar DeRozan on the floor. We should, we should stop that. <laughs> Whatever. That DeMar DeRozan playing strategy yeah. is a bad one. Put Harrison Barnes in. Uh, okay, probably don't, don't do that, that either. Right. Play the other 10 players. Yeah, It'll play be the fine. other 10 guys. Uh, here's an interesting take that Ben Dowson had on Twitter. Uh, and... I, uh, how many teams could you do this till for, if, for Team USA not to be the gold medal? So, like, we just said, basically, the A team and the B team would both win gold, right? Yeah. Would the C team win gold? No. I, I think they might. So would, what's the C team? C team, you got John Wall. Uh, I don't know. if you, Lillard. Lillard. Uh, okay. Uh, do those guys make the B team, though? They didn't. You Let's see. Who did you put on the B team? You put in you put in both Wall and Lillard, right? Because okay. I was just looking for the twelve best players. Okay, so right? let's do C team of like Isaiah Thomas, uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond. Does Mason Plumley get to come back to Team USA? Uh, Probably no. no. There's no reason, right? <laughs> He's on Team like six, right? Uh, Gordon Hayward. Sure. Uh, who else? I mean, Chris Middleton. Ooh, we're, I mean, I, I like team, I like Chris Middleton. We're scraping a little bit here. Marcus yeah, okay. Aldridge, uh, Kevin Love. Kevin Love is actually an, an, kind of an excellent fit for international basketball. Derek so. Favors. Okay. Uh, like I think that team is probably a favorite over Spain. They're probably a favorite. I don't think they win it though. You you just think that they lose one of the three? I think all right. I think that team makes I think it to preliminaries. Right. The preliminaries. Oh yeah, right? for but sure. But I think they lose it's one a, of quarterfinals, semifinals. I think it's a coin flip. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think Team 3 wins gold. Team 4... Team 4 definitely does not. I think I mean, they might. We're talking, like, Big Baby. No. Ben McLemore. Which Big Baby? What <laughs> 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 are talking about? Like, we're talking probably, like... Uh, Robin Lopez, Brooke Lopez. Yeah, like, Markeith Morris. Right. Uh, Tony Snell. Kirk Heinrich. I'm you just naming bulls. Probably now. have a pretty good. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not Kirk Heinrich. Wes Matthews. Yeah. All right. I'm on. Uh, see, that's that's Wes a good Johnson. Card. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like team JJ Reddick. Thirty JJ Reddick. That'd yeah. be great. Uh, maybe like Jabari Parker if you need. Yeah, I'd throw him in there. Yeah. Uh, Youngin. Zach Levine. Brad Darren Beale. Williams. Darren Williams. Drew Holiday. Darren Williams was on the 2018. Yeah, he was. We're done with Darren Williams. <laughs> <laughs> so was Carlos Boozer. Right. Uh, Drew Holiday? Did you say Drew Holiday? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, he'd be what? It'd be perfect. He plays eight minutes a game, gets hurt. And yeah. Then, he'd be like the seventh best point guard in this tournament? I, uh, yeah, I guess so. Wow. Yeah. Either him or Facundo Capazzo. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, just, I think like there's a real case that maybe the fourth team wins, too. I'll I'll say a coin flip for C team. I don't. I think D, D team, team. I, I think, think D, D team, team might getting, do well. I'm in on the D team. I think again worked. All right. Uh, U.S. point guards Kyrie Irving and Kyle Lowry are the problem with this team. Out, but I could be convinced of in. Yeah, I I think I'm in. Because uh, I think the part of the problem, like, all right, if you want to say, I know Kyrie Irving had like 13 assists the other day or whatever, but right. um, for the most part, like. There's a lot of ball stopping with those two, and you probably want more ball movement, right? Uh, right. Even if the offense isn't really a problem, if the defense is not going to be great, then the offense should be better. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think this team is losing out on some good 
passing and playmaking. Yeah, like those are high so um, those are ISO heavy guys and not great playmakers. And those assist totals are helped out a little bit by the FIBA rule, where if you get fouled and they score a free throw, that's an assist. Right. Uh, that's so, insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's different. I don't know if it, you think it's insane. I'm in on that rule. Uh, I think you should have to hit both free throws for to get the assist. Okay. And and if you only hit one, half an assist. Why can't we do half assists? That's fine. They're not I like that. They can average half. They an do assist. like half sacks in the NFL. Right. Exactly. We have a half, half an, an assist. assist. We we all use in decimal on that. points. Yeah. I'm in on this. Okay. This rule. Uh, U.S. big men are the problem with this team. DeAndre Jordan, Demarcus Cousins. I'm gonna say out on this as well, but that's just because I really like watching Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, I I actually think he's done some nice things yeah. this tournament. I legitimately felt bad for Luis Scola having to like push him out of position. That was a yesterday. That was that didn't look fun. Scola's too old for that. He's too old. He's not strong <laughs> enough. Like that's just not fun. Yeah, I I feel bad for like when they played Venezuela, for example, and yeah. Although they have that one big dude, Echenique like or something six, like that. Six. Yeah, he was a gigantic human, or just he was built like a like a tank. Yeah. Um. I am surprised at how ineffective DeAndre Jordan appears to be. Yeah. I don't think people realize like how good of an NBA player he is. I mean, he was all NBA first team. Right. Maybe that was a loophole this season, but he's like he's legitimately good. Yeah. I think the like for whatever reason FIBA refs seem to like not care about that alley-oop foul. Right. Uh and I think I've seen it called once I uh, think that, in Bogut's favor and that's it. I think that scares him a little bit to yeah. go for those maybe yeah, even for a little sure. bit, which makes sense. You don't want someone undercutting you and tearing right. your ACL or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Australia is the second best team in 2020. In or out? I'm gonna go in. I I'm, don't think Spain. I don't think Spain's gonna have a resurgence of young talent that is good enough to challenge them. Um, Bogut's probably not great at that point, right? He's like 37 in 2020. Yeah. Um, but still, Baines is good. They'll have Ben Simmons. They'll have Dante Exum. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it depends on how good Dante Exum is. But yeah. if he's not, then you've got like a aging Matty Delvadova yeah. and probably not Bogut and right. Aaron Baines and Serbia might be pretty good. Joe Croatia Eagles. could could really challenge them. Croatia is good yeah. and young. Yeah, both I think both Saric and Jokic for the last two teams you mentioned are, and Hazonia. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I think I think I don't think there's really much of a chance they're the second best team unless I mean Ben Simmons, right? But Yeah, but I, I think Ben Simmons could be really good. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh Canada is a threat in 2020. Out. Really, I'm in on this for Out. sure. They have no point guards. You really need point guards. I don't think they have the the size. Steve Nash, forty eight year right. old Steve. Nash. Let's get forty eight year old Steve Nash. Like I think they're going to be good, but an actual threat. No. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they. I don't think. I'll say this. I don't think there's a chance they medal in 2020. I think there's a chance they medal. Australia might medal this year. Sure. Like I could see Canada in 2020 being better than Australia is now. Maybe. Is Anthony Bennett still in the rotation at that point? Eh. Like, Jamal Maybe. Murray's going to be their point guard? Jamal Murray's okay. going to be a nice player, but point guard? Maybe there's... Is there an up-and-coming Canadian point guard I don't Mike know Mike Cabongo, about? is he going to make a yeah, resurgence? there we go. He's terrible. <laughs> I don't even think he played in the basketball tournament that was on ESPN. Yeah. The, I think he barely played in that. He did. He's not good. <laughs> but his team got second place, right? Sure. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Whatever. Uh, I do know someone from that tournament got signed. Yeah, DJ Kennedy, right? Yeah, DJ Kennedy, yeah. By signed by the Denver Nuggets. Yep. Uh USA won't play in the gold medal game. I they lose tomorrow against Spain. Oh, what? Are we are we gonna out. have a No okay. out. Why did you pause? You scared me. For uh I don't know, dramatic effect. I also do think America's favored I, by twelve and a half. Tomorrow. Yeah, I think I think Spain was sandbagging a little bit. I really do. 
I think that they're. I think they're more. Why did they do that? They don't take group play very seriously. Seriously, like they were. Now they're going to get bronze instead of silver, though. Right. Well, I mean, they they messed up. They miscalculated. Okay. Okay. But um. But yeah, I think they're closer to the team we saw yesterday than the team we saw in group play. Uh. Follow up. USA won't win the gold. Out. Yeah, they'll win. Bring it, Australia. I, I mean, got a lot of Australians in my mentions on Twitter. Really? Really feeling themselves over this whole thing. It's a little bit optimistic. Yeah. I mean, they're nice. Yeah. But. No, I I wish USA had a bunch of reserves leading their team. Yeah, I think ultimately when Team USA decides to play defense and actually has a lineup that is capable of it, yeah. they do fine. Yeah. Uh, When they aren't, it's kind of actually really pretty scary <laughs> i think you put paul george on del vadova oh and say good, lo- good. <laughs> good luck kid would you have guard patty mills uh clay thompson okay yeah i'm fine with that uh i i've been a little bit disappointed with how clay's chase screens uh, yeah it hasn't been great um, i might i might switch those two players a, yeah maybe there's a there's a nightlife issue in frio i'm sure well yeah. <laughs> we did see them at uh the beach volleyball game yeah Misty Carey Walsh, April. Kevin Durant said he May. could be the best That's in the world the if he trained for like six, seven months at beach volleyball. Yeah, I I buy that. You're in on that. He is somehow tall. No, I saw the way he hit a volleyball. I'm out. <laughs> I think uh, if he can if he can jump that high, I think he'd be the best in the world. Maybe they got a lot of guys who can jump. Yeah, but they're short and don't play uh, like, like six the, eight. Yeah. The, he claims he's 6'9". He's not. <laughs> <laughs> True. Maybe he wouldn't lie about it if he was playing volleyball. All right. In or out. <laughs> we got to take a break soon, by the way. In or out on Ryan Lochte's story. In. You, you, I love everything about it. it. You, I believe The story him. itself, or you, just, you believe everything Ryan Lochte said so yes, far? Yes, all of it. Um, the problem is... I don't believe the video evidence. I think it's... I think it's been tampered with. Uh, it, that's That may be true. Why would he lie to his mom? Well, haven't we all lied to our mothers at some point or He's another? He's just a kid getting mixed up in some stuff. He's 32 years well, old. Well, that's a kid to some people. It was a kid to the official <laughs> statement. That was that was a little bit embarrassing what by the IOC. What an amazing statement that was. Yeah, I, I, I'm out on his story just because uh, like, he keeps walking back each step of it. And it, as it appears, more video evidence and he may have a wallet in his other hand. testimony. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm guessing something embarrassing happened that night yeah. that they didn't. Besides, even peeing on the gas station, which right. it seems that that happened. Beyond that, to make them have different stories of what occurred, I would be shocked if there was an establishment Ryan Lochte hadn't peed on. Any establishment, anywhere in the world, <laughs> I think he's gotten around and he's got a tight bladder. <laughs> that's what I you think. Know, give him a gold medal for that, I suppose, <laughs> because that's truly astonishing. Yeah. The Santa Claus of urination. Yep, he's, Ryan he's the best. We should take a break so right. we don't say anything else. On <laughs> next on the Salsa Dupe Show, uh, let's talk about Jazz expectations. Are are we expecting them to be a little bit too good next season? Next up, Salsa Dupe Show, ESPN seven hundred. <laughs> The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. We're watching Javelin. Out on, on Javelin. Right now. Way out on Javelin. Have you seen that video of the guy getting just speared in the middle of the field by a Javelin? One of the like judges who sees where the Javelins land? That just happens in like... 
comedies, right? That doesn't happen in real I life. I think it happened in real life. That's terrible. We're gonna we're gonna Google that That's... along with the the Wizard of New Zealand. <laughs> uh, Although I'm in on the decathlon, just not javelin. You just like there being more events. No, this is a real thing. Referee seventy five dies after being speared through the throat by a javelin. See that you can't have that happen. He has been described as a highly experienced international javelin judge. So that's the thing. Like, even if you know what you're doing as a javelin judge, you're in danger. Yeah. I mean, out you on don't that. think that'd be a hard job, actually. Way out on that. Of course it's hard. You have spears being thrown right. at you. But why do they need a guy standing in the middle of the court? That's a good question. I mean, especially with replay today. Like, you have cameras, right? Yeah, you have cameras. You've got a hole in the ground. You've got, right, you've got laser pointers that can, like, measure. You can measure yeah. things with laser distance now. Why is, why is there just a... Oh, no. Should take the humans out of it. Really agree. All right, let's talk about the jazz expectations real quick. Um, and we might actually get to this also later on in the show, just because we don't have that much time. But uh, there's a lot of expectations going on in Jazzland right now. Yeah. And, and to the point where it's freaking out the jazz and jazz coaches and jazz management <laughs> i mean you guys you cbs sports people are the problem right you guys rank the jazz as the number one bench in the league right. and the number five starting lineup in the league right so you average those two things like you should and they're the third best team in the league i've had real conversations with some people around the league they're like this team could be the two seed that's crazy that is cr- like going from ninth in the west to to second yeah i mean granted this is a good team and they're deep and they address a lot of problems with the roster this offseason, but I don't know. Are the expectations too high? I mean, maybe, like, even if you say, all right, well, that's just an outlier, people saying they could be the two seed, but if some people are expecting 55 wins, 50 to 55 wins, like, that's a top four seed for sure. Yeah, 55 wins is a lot. That's a lot of wins. That's 15 more than last season. Right. I mean, sure, you can get, you can get like, you know, let's say you get four from George, five from George Hill. Let's be optimistic and get three from Joe Johnson and three from Boris Diaw and then two each from additional health from Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors. I mean, that's actually all of those things. I haven't, I haven't mentioned Dante Exum or Alec Burks. Like, in a perfect world, I guess, but. How often is it a perfect world for teams? Never. Like, that's pretty hard. So is that setting. Could that be setting the bar too high for the Jazz to where people will be disappointed if they're not like, not a juggernaut, but juggernaut-like? Do you think, uh, yeah, maybe. Do you think for fans' expectations, yes. I think it will make people more unhappy than otherwise, <laughs> right? Like, right. in some sense, ex- uh, happiness is expectations minus reality or reality minus expectations, whatever. And you are happy to the point that you've exceeded expectations. But in terms of actual performance next year, I don't know that it makes a big difference, right? Like whether or not they believe in themselves or not, or believe in themselves too much or whatever next season. I don't know that that, if they buy their own. Hype. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I I think it's good if they believe they're one of the best teams in the West, right? Yeah. That's that's how they should they have feel. To start, they have to play like it first. Right, but- so I guess it, like... I've always kind of liked the idea of pressure on a team because they should meet those expectations or exceed them. That shows you kind of like how mentally prepared they are. I don't want to say mentally tough, but that like, I kind of like that idea. Whereas if you have low expectations, you, you exceed them like great, but what did you actually do? Yeah. You know, like it seems to be more worth it to set a bar high and try to reach that. And then if you don't reach it, yeah, that can be disappointing, but you should always use that disappointment as a learning experience, right? Right. Let me, and this is kind of off the cuff, but where, I mean, quickly without having like broken it down or anything, yeah. where would you bet the Jazz land? Fifth? 
Fifth. Yeah, that's yeah. what I came up with yesterday, too. Um, I was asked about this yesterday, and, and I said about fifth. And kind of my rationale was, you've got three teams in my mind that are pretty clearly better than the Jazz. You've got Oklahoma State, or sorry, you've got Golden State, you've got San Antonio, you've got the Clippers. Yeah, uh, Clippers are really good. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's probably like a 70, 75% chance that the Clippers are better than the Jazz next season yeah. with all their talent. Right. And, you know, if things go wrong for Griffin and, and yeah. CP3 again, then things sure. are... But anyway. And then... You've got basically. I I think it's likely that the Jazz are better than the Portland Trailblazers next season. For yeah, example. I think the Blazers probably regress a little bit. And, and I think it's probably likely that the Jazz are better than the Thunder next season. Maybe. But I don't know that it's mo- more likely than not that neither of those teams pass. The I also jazz, think of healthy, the Grizzlies are a top four team. That's that's a good Gri- top four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're they're a really good team. When they're healthy anyway, and they just added Chandler Parsons, like that's a real weapon for them. Okay, we got to take a break, but I want to dig in more on this and yeah. kind of where you see the West Coast Western Conference breaking down next season. Uh, next on the South City Hoop Show, more Olympic talk and the Jazz defense on the clutch. That's next on ESPN 700. You are listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. You're good. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper joining you. Uh, we actually have a caller, and I, I know he's been waiting on the line for a little bit, so let's get to him and, you know, make it so he doesn't have to wait any longer. Yeah. We're, we're nice like that. Sure. Uh, I believe the caller's name is Jay. Jay, how are you? Good. How are you guys today? Great. Good. So I love the show. I think you guys do an awesome job. And, we disagree, uh, but thank you. Agree you. <laughs> I normally agree with you guys like 85, 90% of the time, but in your in and out segment, you talked about Canada and you had them out in 2020 for the medal in the Olympics because they don't have any guard play. Okay. My question is, can Corey Joseph and Tyler Ennis and Jamal Murray not be the same kind of guards four years from now that Matthew Delavadova and Patty Mills are? Uh, Corey Joseph is good. Tyler Ennis is not. Um, Jamal Murray, I just don't think is a point guard. That's the thing. Like, I think he can be a scorer, but I think you need guys who can attack a defense like you're going to face in the middle round. See, I, I'm I disagree with Zach on this. I think those guys are are. You fine. can't you can't agree that Tyler Ennis is good. No, he's, he went to Syracuse. That automatically means he's not. <laughs> like, it's but very then, rare that they produce an NBA player. I think Corey Joseph is on like the Patty Mills level. I think he's better than Patty Mills. Okay. I think he's really good, but you need more than one. They've got two? I don't know. Kind of. If yeah. if you play Wiggins and Jamal Murray. Thompson and I think they're I think they're fine, but like I don't understand. like I wouldn't pick them against Serbia. I wouldn't pick them against Croatia. And we already think Australia and US will be better than them. I right? don't. So uh, that... No, I'm 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 out on Australia twenty twenty. Whoa! I said that. I wasn't paying attention, clearly. <laughs> I said that a half hour ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I like. I think I Canada's know. good. I, I just one of the top three teams or one of the three finalists. Like, I I don't see it. I I think they could be. Like, I don't think they're a sure thing. I wouldn't even call them the likely, the you know, likely to medal in twenty twenty. But I think they have a real shot. I think they have. I I think you look at what they could be coming in to the tournament. And I think they would have more talent than Australia. Heck, I might have even said that. This year, they just didn't qualify because they lost to Venezuela. It's what, yeah. Well, that's kind of my problem. Which like, is bad. and I've and I've heard this from a few people of like, 
look, this everyone talks about how great this Canadian program is, right? Mm-hmm. And it is producing NBA players, but when they get together on an international level, they underperform. Yeah. Now, may, now, granted, they're young, so maybe that gets ironed out in the next four years, but they don't have a ton of experience playing at the international level. Who's their coach? Jay Triano? Did I just? I may have just made that up. It, that sounds right. I Jay, do you know? Do we still have Jay on the line? <laughs> he sounds Canadian. He knows a lot about it. We don't have Jay on the line. He's oh, gone. Okay. Regardless. I think it's Jay Triano. I know Jay Triano was their coach at one point. Okay. Uh, you know, has been an NBA head coach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, he wasn't very good, but he's, right. a, he's, a, he's a respected assistant. Yeah. Like, they have the mind for it. I just think that there's there's an issue every time they get together, and it's not very – I mean, maybe they're like kind of yeah. like France, right? But I think – Like, France underperforms. Right. Is that team then going to be better than France the last couple of years or last couple of Olympics? Maybe not. Maybe not, but – I. It, you have to say that like France is yeah disappointed to not medal this year. Sure, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think France should be way better than they are. But maybe we say that about Canada. Maybe, but I don't know that we can say that four years out that they won't. I said it. Together. I said I'm okay. I'm out on them. <laughs> I I'm in on I'm in on Canada out on Australia for 2020. Thank you, Jay. Good question though. All right, I I want to talk about uh the Wizard of New Zealand. No, I want to talk about. <laughs> The Jazz's defense in the clutch yeah. last season, and, and actually, kind of in a larger discussion on like performance in close games, and actually what we were talking about last segment, the where they end up with this expectation thing, yeah. right? So, first of all, the Jazz. Let's just start out with some facts. The Jazz's defense in the clutch last year was terrible. Uh, they were the third worst team in the league. Yeah. They put up a hundred twenty-one point three defensive rating, one hundred twenty-one points given up. Per 100 What was the worst in the league for just everything this year? Not just clutch, but like it was like 109? Yeah. So that's how bad they were. Right. right. Like, And the average team, by the way, in the clutch was 105. Right. So cause usually defenses get a little bit tighter at the end. Yeah. Um, although then teams foul more, so it's kind of balanced out. But Right. Yeah, there's some noise in there, right, because of free throws and fouling and right. stuff. But even if you account for that, so I did this whole article on KSL.com, and you should check that out. But even if you account for the fouling... Uh, that the Jazz did, they fouled only the 11th most times in the league. So that doesn't explain why their defense was so bad in the clutch. If if you adjust for how many times they uh, fouled other teams, then you get it down a few points. You get it down to like 118 which points still, per 100 possessions, really which bad. is still very <laughs> bad. Right. So uh, what's what's going on here? Um, I looked at a few explanations. May I ask you some questions? Yeah, let's do it that way. Was it because they were starting behind? No, it was not. <laughs> um, so David Locke and one of his listeners, uh, I should use his name, Russell Dixon, did all this research May 24th. And, and kind of David at that point called it good, like that this explanation of the Jazz starting behind was going to basically the Jazz being better in the first 43 minutes was going to solve this problem in the clutch. Okay. Uh, and looking at the data, I can see why you get to that assumption, because when you start that when the Jazz started the five minute period ahead, they were eight and seven when they started at tied. They were three and four, and when they started at behind, they were three and seventeen. Wow, which is bad. You would just think by randomness they would be better than three and seventeen, right? And heck, they probably should have been by right. randomness, right? Yeah. They're at the bottom of the randomness, yeah, uh, bell chart, you know? right? But you would also think that you would be better at games than eight and seven when you started ahead, yeah. And quite frankly, that they started twenty of these games down means that they were probably going to lose those games anyway. You know, you would expect like a, I don't know what, a 7-13 and 13 record or something like that right. in, in those sort of games. Um, but that doesn't explain the defensive rating part, right? Because even if you come into these games and you play 
in, into these close games, five minutes left, and you play well, you still may lose those games. Right. But if you play poorly, then you've got no shot. Right, exactly. And that's what happened to the Jazz last year. You can you can argue in those 3-17 and 17 record games. Yeah. So to me, that that's not a good enough thing. Plus, again, if you account for the fouling, then it's not good enough. Right. Uh, was it because they went small at the end of games? No, I, I thought it might be that I, too. And I, I so Small ball's all the rage. Small ball's and all the rage. you don't know how to do it. But the Jazz are a, you know, they, they've prided themselves. Their identity is being a too big defensive team, right? With yeah. Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, that's their thing is just we're going to play excellent we're interior defense. cut off the court. Like, you're cut, cut off the interior. We're going to challenge on the perimeter. Right. Good luck. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time it works pretty well. Yeah. They were the seventh best defense last year. They were first uh, in the league two seasons ago after the All-Star break once Rudy Gobert started. They were... About, I think they were third or fourth if you take out the games where Derek Favors nor Rudy Gobert played. Um, heck, I think they were fifth if you just take out these clutch minutes where they were inexplicably awful. Uh, but if you just look at the clutch minutes with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, they were still very bad. Just 112.9 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter. The NBA doesn't do lineups in the clutch, so I had right. to guess a little yeah. bit with the fourth quarter stuff. Uh, but still... That's the sixth worst pairing out of 70 pairings that played more than 30 minutes together in the right. court. So it's not that. All the other top five, by the way, involve Trevor Booker, which is um, oh, a bummer. On. It's a bummer. Yeah. But. He, uh, I mean, factual. he was asked to do more than he should have. Yeah. No, right? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, I, I wonder if fatigue was an issue there, by the Had way. Because right? Trevor Booker plays so hard the whole game that, yeah. like, a few minutes left, you got to go get a rebound. Right. And you go for, you, you probably give more. Uh, likelihood of someone getting that rebound to someone who's taller and more athletic and yeah. who hasn't killed themselves over their first 43. Right. But anyway. Uh, so it wasn't that the Jazz weren't playing fav- favors and a Gobert together as much okay. late, which is what I, I was actually one of my bigger complaints with Quinn Snyder last year. Was that they went small? Too s- small too often at the okay. end of games. Uh, I know what it was. What? The officials are out to get them. Ah, this is my this is my topic, right? This is your thing. The last two-minute report. Yeah, and the Jazz were worse in the league last yeah. year in call margin. The refs the are against them. They Pitch uh, forks and torches. Well, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Even I. We're coming for you, Bennett Salvatore. You can't do anything about it. I'm fine with Bennett Salvatore no longer being a ref <laughs> in this league. Uh, but the Jazz were minus 12 in the last two-minute reports last year. That's the worst margin in the league. If you extrapolate that over the 203 clutch minutes that are in that 14 and 28 record, you end up with them getting about 11 points off um, defensively out of the 400 uh, possessions that happen in about 200 minutes. Not a lot. A lot of math there, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you end up that's getting not like a huge impact. Two to four points of right. per 100 possessions, and that's even like assuming that what happens in the last two minutes extrapolates out to these right. last five minutes, which may or may not be true. Right. Exactly. Although. Apparently, based on the whole 48 reports that the Jazz have seen, uh, it does extrapolate out, yeah. if that makes sense. But okay. So, it, so it's not the refs. It's not the refs. We can still hate them, though, right? I, I mean, <laughs> I, lo- I who's love the guy? Wait, who's the, the guy? Kane Fitzgerald? Kane Fitzgerald. Yeah. Out on him. Out on, <laughs> out on Kane Fitzgerald. Uh, I'm with, in on Bill Kennedy, though. Love Bill Kennedy. Great ref. Yeah. Great, yeah, ref. great person. I just I love watching him ref. He's fantastic. Uh, was it because of their switching style of defense? So this was an explanation that was brought up to me by a, a member of the coaching staff. It was like, you know, we switched more at the end of games and maybe that cost us. Okay. And I think there's some something to that maybe, right? Like you, when you change the style of defense at the end of the game, 
on one hand, it might confuse the opposition, right. but on the it other might hand, confuse your it, team. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I saw a little bit of that when I was watching the film of these last few minutes. This is maybe cherry picking and not a great example, but um, the one that comes to mind is Derek Favors gets switched out on Jamal Crawford, right? Mm, yeah. And everyone knows Jamal Crawford is pulling up for a three-point shot, right? And still gets the shot off without a great contest by Derek Favors, and you know situations like that can be kind of tough to adjust. Right, to. that was an overtime game winner, right? And if you know if that doesn't happen, then you have a, a very different season, right? Exactly, it's a very different second probably, overtime. Probably make the playoffs, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and so. Yeah, those are kind of bigger issues. I looked at a Oklahoma City one um, where there was some lack of communication on that screen. And that I think that will be ironed out a little bit next season. And okay. I think that's still something that the Jazz will want to do. The other thing is that they're not that great of an isolation defensive team yeah, anyway. Right. They were actually sixth worst last year. Because they're kind of a of, slower team, right? Right. Like in terms of just athletes on the on the roster. Yeah, in terms of team defense, they're great. Yeah. But if you match them up one-on-one and get Rudy Gobert's guide out, out to, you know, out in space, right. so you don't have to worry about him at the rim, then you can blow by their point guards especially. And, yeah, And you for can sure. blow by Rodney Hood, less so Gordon Hayward. But yeah. You know, you have a chance to get to the rim and and do something there. Right. That's and not to say that that's still an efficient play. Like they were only giving up zero point eight nine points per possession on good. that, which right. is not good. Yeah. But it's actually better than most teams do in ISO situations. Yeah. And and I would think too, like a lot of teams go to ISO at the end of tight games. Now, not not for an entire five minute stretch, but especially mm-hmm. in these last couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, that so seems to be that the would be, don't turn the ball over, get a shot up. Like one, that's kind of the thing. Right. That would be one reason you would be worse than other teams. Right. Now. That 0.89 is very different than 121.3, right? Like, right. Those are that's worlds. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot between. There's like, it's basically Usain Bolt racing everyone else, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's basically what that is. Spoiler alert. We still haven't <laughs> seen that on the West Coast. Um, was it because they're a young team? No, third, that's th- stupid. Third lowest experience in the league, that's right? That's a stupid question you stupid just asked. Stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> it's off a page I'm reading. <laughs> Uh, no, like, look, there's just no, this whole, like, young teams don't know how to win thing is so overplayed. Okay. Wow. Okay. So first of all, there's no correlation between that, right? We, Kevin Pelton did the study back even in his basketball prospectus days. Okay. And there's no correlation between close game performance and age. It turns out that some young teams are bad in close games and some young teams are good in close games and some old teams are bad and ever, ever, you know, combination of which there's only one more of. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the other thing is honestly the jazz is we're not the jazz's starting lineup was not that young last year right gordon hayward's a six-year player uh Uh, i mean rudy gobert's a young third-year fourth-year player right like i mean he didn't get a ton of time the first year and and a half ronnie hood's a second-year guy and howell netto or whoever shelvin mack Mack, Yeah. uh, yeah i mean but what the average NBA player is has Look, how not, much experience? Right, like five. Right, years? and maybe the average starter has seven. I mean, I'm sure. guessing at right. these numbers, but it's not that far. Here's what I wonder, uh, based off this study from Kevin Pelton, is could this be more of a thing now than it used to be? Because so the something's strat- changed between 2009 and 2015. Right, because the strategy is, is so the strategy is so much better than it always has or than it was before. Right. So could that exploit things? I I don't I mean I'm just asking as a devil's advocate here. Uh, are teams using I mean teams are going less to ISO than yeah. they were then. Right. Uh Is that harder or easier to defend like I guess it depends, right? Right. I I don't I don't think so. Okay. Fair enough. You, I I don't I don't know that I have an opinion either way. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that it would make a difference above and beyond how the game has changed in the last six years. Okay. If that makes sense, right? Like, yeah. teams are using ISO less often throughout the whole game. Right. And we still haven't seen this kind of difference in kind of the age versus offense thing. I mean, age versus defense, maybe more so. Okay. Um, you're selling me on it a little bit, but I, I still wow, I don't even feel like I'm data. selling that hard. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I, I don't buy it. Okay. Um, what about the defensive rebounding? Yeah, it was bad. It Real was bad. Very bad last if year. If you can't just... end possessions, you can give up more points. Yeah, it's surprising. So, you know, last year, the Jazz allowed the third highest offensive rebounding rate against them in clutch situations. Uh, and then for the rest of the game, they were 23rd in the league. So they, you know, were a top 10 defensive team for the rest of the game and were legitimately awful at the end. Again, I watched all these clutch minutes trying to figure out what happened. Right. It, a lot of it felt like bounces, which I know is such a lame excuse over the course of like 400 or I guess 40 games in 200 minutes. It happens though, right? But it does happen. Yeah. I thought some of it was like Russell Westbrook made some incredible defensive rebounds in their two close games. Yeah. Uh, offensive rebounds, offensive, excuse yeah. me. Uh, Draymond Green had that incredible play at the end of the first quarter. He just State ripped it where, from him, right? Yeah. Like that was, hey, he re- grabbed a rebound against two players. Yeah. I, I do think that. Maybe the Jazz didn't attack those rebounds like they should have. Okay. Um, I Could think that be th- because they were out of defensive position? Yeah. I mean, if they're playing poor right. defense, why would they be in a great position to rebound? Like, that can correlate. That's right? a good point. I mean, uh, like, on that Oklahoma City video that I included, yeah. they, Trevor Booker is, is blown by by Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, then Derek Favors has to come up and give that contest, and he he did well at that. But that leaves him out of position for that rebound after right. that. And then, you know, then you're relying on Trey Burke to get that rebound at that point, and it's it's not great. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think Shelvin Mack coming in really helped the Jazz's yeah. um defensive rebounding so that was that was good and i think having a 6-6 guy in dante exmer a 6-3 guy in george hill right will will help that a lot yeah so this team was just unlucky some of it like i don't want to put it down all down to luck because uh, you know of the five or six questions you've asked so far yeah one of them some was of stupid. them are real right the right. only one of them was stupid <laughs> uh and actually two of them were stupid my they're playing Small at the end of games. Was that stupid. was stupid as well. Yeah, yeah, which is a bummer because it was my. Was, <laughs> that was that's that what was you were my hypothesis, to be. right? right. Uh, but I think like the rebounding thing was a real issue. I think switching was a little bit, and uh, whatever we said, the refereeing was a, was an issue, and the fouling was a little, you know, four yeah. or five points, which right. doesn't totally explain it. But I think it's a it's a combination of all those things. So I just looked this up but, um, after the All Star break in 2014-15 when the Jazz became like the talk of the NBA nerd world, right? Like yeah. everyone was like, oh my God, this Jazz team. Like they're playing defense better like at a historic rate and all this stuff. Their clutch defense for that stretch, uh, we're talking 15 games, so not a okay. not a huge sample size. Um, 97 points per 100 possessions. Great. Yeah. Eight, yeah. eight and seven in these games, 97 points per 100 possessions. And you look in, again, look at this Kevin Pelton study and there's just, it doesn't seem like there's a correlation if you're bad in the clutch in one year, you're bad in the clutch the next year. Right. Now, that's true in theory, but you are a writer and cover of the Minnesota Timberwolves right. who have been awful at that for years. Yeah, even when they were good. Right. Like that two, that 2013-14 team was supposed to make the playoffs, right? right? And they couldn't win close games. Right. They would have. Right. And... and Really, in a lot of the similar ways as as the Jazz did. A lot of, yeah, it's a lot of similar stuff. Different personnel, but right. similar results. And then they didn't the next season either. Yeah. And they didn't the season before that. Right, no. So, uh, 
it, as a as an experienced Timberwolves watcher, it, yeah. you tell me, is there something there in terms of that Jazz fans should be worried about close games next season? No, I mean, I do think I very much buy into the idea, whether the data supports it or not, of like young teams need to learn how to win. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't agree. I, okay. I do think because I've seen because I think that when you lose games earlier in the season, I do think for some teams it gets in your head later in the season. And I think that that I know that that was an issue with the Timberwolves. It was always a oh here we go again type of thing. Hmm. Okay. I don't know that I got the sense from the Jazz this past season that that was the case. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if some guys felt like that. Yeah. I, I think with the Jazz, it also you would it was, think that would happen more offensively than defensively, though, right? Right. Yeah. For sure. But defensive is defense is about communication, and young guys don't necessarily know how to communicate. Yeah. On a court, and I think that it has to be learned. Um. And and I and there also may be a thing of like some guys have it, some guys don't with that, right? Yeah. Um, that was and honestly, that was another explanation I heard a lot was yeah. the communication thing. And I think there is something to that with age. I think that's something to do with just temperament there too, right? Like right. Tim Duncan's a great communicator, not just when he was old, but when he was you know in college yeah. and and since his rookie year. Joakim Noah, yeah, fantastic communicator, never stops talking. Uh, and I think maybe the Jazz are just bad at that. I mean, yeah. And you know maybe George Hill and Joe Johnson may help, but I don't I don't know if that'll. Right, I mean, George Hill does seem to be a talker, and he's a super smart guy, right? Right, but Boris Diaw is a communicator. Yeah. I think you can expect him in some Are you going to play him for defense at the end of games? Maybe. Yeah. If you go small, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially in situations where maybe you don't have a lot of timeouts left. Okay. Like, you want to have that experience on the court, you know? I mean, if Rudy Gobert takes a leap and... Or a step forward and, and is that guy, then yeah. But I could see situations where you feel more comfortable playing Boris than playing Rudy Gobert defensively, as yeah. crazy as that sounds no, just I mean, on its own. He, there were situations last year where Quinn felt more comfortable playing Trevor Booker than than yeah. Rudy Gobert at the right. end of games. So I think that's that's not a crazy thing. Also, it could just be random. Yeah. I I mean that's not a satisfying answer, right? Of right. like, eh, stuff happened. And that's what Dennis Lindsay said. I mean, you you look at this quote, uh scrolling down to it, sorry. Uh, he said, we're just hoping odds take care of the team's performance in close games. Usually, if you play enough close games, the margin gets back to zero. Yeah. Uh, and that, so that's where he's going from. And that's kind of, you know, that he even quoted me in that answer, <laughs> <laughs> which means that I've probably talked about it too much. That, um, like, I think the Jazz will regress to the mean a little bit. But I, I'm not, having done this analysis, I'm not totally satisfied that that'll be the case. I mean, I kind of looked at it this way, that that's 203 minutes, right? So right. that's four, four and a quarter games. Sure. If you had four and a quarter games of 121 defensive rating, you'd be kind of concerned. You'd be not happy, right? You'd be not happy. Yeah. You'd take steps to deal with it in practice and, right. and maybe change your rotation a little even, bit. Even and, last year's Lakers would be like, come on. Right. Get, get a hand up. But you wouldn't like... How, I, you wouldn't freak out, right? Like no, you, over a four game stretch, no. Like you, if would, you were playing 103 defensive rating defense before and after that, right? Yeah, you pro- you would probably wonder what had happened. Right. Um, but I I also wonder, and maybe this isn't a satisfying answer either, or maybe it's the perfect scapegoat. And teams have to go through this, but like the injury screwed up a lot. Yeah, right. It screws up a rhythm. It screws up routine. It screws up you know understanding and up to speed and all this stuff. And that. Stuff will matter at the end of games when it gets tight. Like you want to feel like you are comfortable within the flow of the game. And in one, if you're not moving like you want to move, that's going to affect it. And two, you really do need that time on the court. That's what kind of scared me about the Jazz's defense still being bad with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, though. Because, you know, I get why a Trevor Booker, Jeff Withy defense sure. wouldn't be good enough. Or right. a Trey Lyles, Trevor Booker, whatever. Right. Uh, 
you would hope that whatever works about Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert on the defensive end in the first 43 minutes would carry over to the last five as well. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But uh, also, like, how many of those games was Derek's back locked up at the end of a game, right? And, and he's playing through it. Anyway. Right, he's playing through it, and, the, and you're not going to move that well. How many of those yeah. games was Rudy Gobert maybe dragging the leg? Yeah. And, and that could be too perfect of an excuse, but I don't think that means you dismiss it. Yeah, I, I think maybe... It's hard. In the regular season, I think the Jazz are, are careful enough that if that's the case, then they usually sit those guys. Right, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there were some unsatisfied, like people were wondering, hey, why isn't Derek Favors back, right? Like, right. why is Rudy Gobert still out? Like, I mean, there was there was some, I don't know, unrest in that department yeah. because of like, hey, we thought that these injuries weren't that serious, and the longer they're out, the more serious they seem. Right, and I, and I get that that feeling right? but that you feeling want... also may not matter at all like that's just a <laughs> that's just a paranoia right like yeah. that's not that has nothing to do with these guys their reality. health and yeah in reality <laughs> like i think yeah. if you're the jazz organization you're like yeah you're right we did say that they're still out so in the end how good do you think the jazz are in close games next season average yeah i i think average is fair like and I if think they're average still have some of these problems right with... if, if they're average that's pretty good yeah, I think they'll still have some of these problems with... Um, I, I don't expect them to stop switching. I do think they'll still have problems with, like, a little bit defensive rebounding will be harder with, right. with teams and gang rebounding. The Jazz's wings, Hayward and Hood, aren't great um, rebounders, offensive or defensive, compared to where other other rebounders in the league. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean... Y- don't know that I expect the ref thing to change that much, given that it was the same in 2014-15. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know that it makes like, that big yeah. of a difference, but regardless, but I think they'll get luckier and I think they'll have, uh, they'll have better players. I mean, I think they'll have George Hill will make a big defense or big difference on defense. <laughs> He'll make a big defense. <laughs> he will make a big old defense and look, the Jazz will have defense. Uh, I mean, the Portland Trailblazers were 23 and 19 in yeah. the clutch situation games this, this past season. Charlotte Hornets were 22 and 20. Oklahoma City Thunder were 22 and 22. Those right. were all playoff teams, right? Like this should it should be about five hundred. Yeah, if you're about average, then you you'll be fine. Right. Most it, likely. Right. Yeah, I mean. and if you're if you're a really good team, see what was incredible about what the Warriors did last year is that they were ridiculously good in close games. Like <laughs> they were thirty and four. I mean, they were good in every game, right? But thirty and four, right? That's that's 30, absurd. That's ridiculous. Like if you uh, Kevin Pelton. Pr- uh, points this out, but if you were playing the Warriors and you said, you know, you have an opportunity to be within five points within the last five minutes, every team would take that. 100%. And yet, the Warriors are still more likely to win that game. Right, exactly. But you'll take just the, hey, we feel like we're in we this. Were it's a moral victory, points. right? Yeah. yeah. It's not even, like, in terms of just winning the game, you would think, oh, maybe we can make a comeback. Yeah. You know, make a shot, miss a few. Happened to the Lakers. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the Lakers beat them. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Alright, we gotta take a break. I just I just think it's such an interesting question is whether or not this will turn out for the Jazz next season. And I know luck is such a weird excuse. Yeah. And it may not, right. but they still may be pretty good and make the playoffs. Yeah. Even it, if it doesn't. Right. I mean they'll you you would hope so. Yeah. Even even if it fourteen and twenty eight is really bad, right? That's really Being oh, the that's third worst team exceptionally bad. It's not gonna happen. Right. But um even if they are like you I don't know, I think you expect that defense to blow a lot of teams out because the defense is so good. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we'll go around the NBA talking about all the news and notes from the National Basketball Association. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. We're scanning the league from coast to coast. This is Around the NBA on Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. 
All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. We're going around the NBA, talking the news and notes from around the association. Uh, let's start with LeBron James. On a podcast Wednesday, he said it was his dream to one day own an NBA team. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. He's always been about kind of, if not breaking barriers as an athlete. Because um, Michael Jordan's an NBA owner. Right, like, exactly. But no barrier broken. joining those broken barriers, right? Like he's... Yeah. Uh, my question is, what are the odds that it's the Cavs? Because I think that's very low. I think Dan Gilbert will try to get him in, but I think LeBron's talking like majority ownership. Yeah, I do too. Uh, do you think he could buy? Could he convince Dan Gilbert to sell? No. Dan no Gilbert what. is printing money right now. Right, right now. But once yeah. LeBron retires, LeBron does a few different things. Takes a, takes a vacation, right? Post-career. Yeah. Five years later, Cavs are twenty-one team. Maybe at that point they bring over Christian Nyinga finally, and he gets <laughs> to have an NBA career. <laughs> I I don't know why, but I follow Christian Nyinga on oh, sure. Twitter. Of course you do. It's been it's been a joyous ride yeah. for us Christian Nyinga fans. Sure, first round NBA pick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I like how we went from totally relatable LeBron James news to then let's talk about Christian Nyinga for a while. Uh, I, I guess I think like he buys someone like New Orleans. Sure. Yeah. But again, this is 10, 15 years down the road. Sure. I think I think it's possible that the Cavs are in a weird enough straight by then that he Maybe. Could, they could be bought. Yeah. And if not, yeah, then New Orleans or whoever the Milwaukee or, you know, I guess right. Milwaukee's building a new arena, so they presumably should really, be Really, Dan Gilbert we, would be smart to sell like in like five years, right? Right. Um. So while well, you still have LeBron, right? But and what could he get? Like he, they did, like I don't know how accurate this is, but there was a, apparently an evaluation of the Timberwolves that put them like at a billion dollars. That that doesn't sound crazy. That does I mean, it for does the sound Timberwolves, crazy from a yeah. But I guess yeah. like with the money coming in now, sure. But um, but so if the Timberwolves are worth a billion, you've got Cat for the next twenty years. That's true. He's a billion dollar player right there. It's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean you've you've got him at below market value for the next three. Yeah, you're saving. I'll say million dollars there. He'll always be below market value as long as there's max contracts. I don't. LeBron is. When has LeBron ever been fair value? Never. Never. Even now that he's got a three-year, hundred million dollar deal, he's still winning about. Yeah, he should make double that. Right, easily. Uh, yeah, complete. I I I agree with that take. Okay, we got (laughs) one. (laughs) We got one. Uh, the Lakers are bringing Ejean Leon back to the NBA. He didn't look good in Olympic play. No, that's worrying. So, so he'll fit in with the it's Lakers. It's a weird contract too because it's like just over the vet minimum, but incentives can push it to like eight million. That's, that's what I don't know. Some reporter tweeted, and then Eric Pincus was like, "No, NBA contracts don't work that way." Right. And I don't think they work that way. I didn't like, think so either. But then there was always that weird Nick Collison deal, right? Yeah, but it wasn't like that. It, yeah, wasn't, I guess not. it wasn't like you make eight times more in incentives. And probably it's like, hey, if the Lakers win 60 games, you get $8 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one-year deal. Like, What incentives right. could there be that they make up that yeah, would get that's him a good question. To, from one to eight, right? right. Like, you if they're going to 20 I, points a game. I don't care if he's in the NBA. Like, If he can make it back to the NBA, great. Like, yeah, go, think, go for it. Um, I want him on the Lakers. I'm Sure, right. Uh, I just don't want him taking minutes from like Brandon Ingram. Yeah, but he's not. It's not the same position. Like if they, uh, it's. I mean, we don't know that Luke Walton knows what he's doing. No, we don't. Uh, I didn't include this, and in, we should have done an LOL Lakers segment, but we didn't. Uh, I didn't realize the D'Angelo Russell 
tweeted or wrote or something and said he can't believe how great this coaching staff is. <laughs> which is a because they've probably actually communicated with him in this time right <laughs> which byron scott would never have done no of course not yeah byron scott what, he probably what do you thought think byron scott's up to nowadays uh i don't know he's probably looking through a photo book we can we right? can go on instagram and find this out right i guess does he have an instagram i think so isn't There's that no where there was the, the photos with his wife or whatever i don't know we'll find out good Maybe. for him if he doesn't then technology we find out win for technology uh james harden Turned down Team USA, but is playing in the Drew League. Yeah. Uh, there's this great video of him, A, yelling at a heckler, and B, playing defense on his own team. Like, he he has a he has a kick out and drives to the rim, kick yeah. out three. But on that l- little kind of loop back, he defends though, his three-point shot, so hey, he gets it. As long as he's defending something. He, you know, more credit to him for yeah, that, Yeah, we're I off guess. to a good start. Uh, this is crazy. Chris Humphreys, former Jazz man, current Atlanta Hawk. Former reality TV star uh, and, I guess, husband to Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Was at age 10, he was a faster swimmer than Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte. Okay. I mean, he was probably taller than them, right? Yeah, but, I mean, lots of other people were taller than them. I don't yeah. I don't know how tall Chris Humphreys was at that age. but Can he get away from the Rio feds? That's the true test of greatness. <laughs> Ryan Lochte <laughs> did. The other three didn't. Oh, well, that's true. Who, Those other three, not so good. Right. They're not as good at swimming. I mean, he Ryan probably Lochte's owes them a dinner. Medals. He probably owes them a dinner. At least yeah. a few dinners. Maybe. Uh, My but favorite. You're still in on Ryan Lochte. I'm in on the story. I don't like okay. him. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I do I, like that there have been people dedicated today to just finding his really old tweets. Oh, that they're make, so good. It, they're really good. Not a smart guy. <laughs> no. Even though he got away. Not like not a strong reader. Not a strong typer. Uh, Mark Stein reports that Milos Teodosic, who we talked about earlier on in the show, uh, may explore NBA options in the 2017 offseason. Okay. He'll be 30. Yeah, not 35, not it turns 35. out. Uh, and remember, he said San Antonio or Utah are two teams he really likes. Yeah. I don't know that the Jazz will need a point guard then, but... San Antonio might. San Antonio, yeah. Well, Tony Parker apparently wants to play five more years. Uh, okay. Like, I don't, maybe I don't, not I don't on know, the Spurs. I don't know that he expects to be a starter for five more years, yeah. but yeah, play in the NBA for five more years. I don't know that years. Teodosic should be a starter in the NBA. Would that make him like 20 years in the league-ish? Close? He wasn't... Drafted that? I guess he was drafted was pretty like 2001, young. 2001, 2002, something yeah, like 2001, that? Yeah, 2001, I believe. Yeah. Not bad. Not a bad career. Yeah. Okay. A couple of titles. Gosh. Do you think... Finals he's, MVP? He's probably an all of fa- Hall of Famer with his France and... Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Uh, Baron Davis is still trying to make an NBA comeback happen. Still yeah, not... Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying as hard as he is? Because there's this photo I of him... I feel like I am. Him playing basketball with, uh, well... Other Drew League players. Like right, James like Harden. he's playing in the Drew League, but like he doesn't look like he's in shape. No, not at all. He does look very round. Right. And he, Baron Davis has never looked particularly fit, I would say. Like, no, but he's, he's, I mean, he's, he, like, I think it's fantastic that he and Steven Jackson want a piece of this money. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah. Uh, that guy, we, we talked about it a month ago, the guy who dressed up in the full mid 90s Jordan Bulls gear yeah. got some more Jordan gear in a box, basically. I got to tell you, the Jordan social media people, very good. Good at their jobs? Very good at their jobs. The PR company that, that works for or that works with Jordan and everything, like they're very good at their jobs. I like how they're like, no, sir, those are too old. Those are, <laughs> those are 20 years old. No, you need, you need an update. Here's some, here's some of our What if stuff. they had just sent him a Wizards jersey? Uh, from the Wizard of New Zealand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which Wizards are we talking about here? You got to take that, yeah. Uh, 
Tim Duncan turned down an invitation to attend the Olympics with Barack Obama. Yeah, I th- he probably wants to read comics and work on his car, right? Yeah, like, but that's what he does. You get to hang with with the president. Like that'd be cool. I don't think this is the only chance he's going to have to hang with the president, and he didn't have to deal with. Rio. I don't know. You think Donald Trump and or Hillary Clinton is going to be like, "Yo, Timmy D, let's hang out"? I could see Hillary Clinton being a huge Tim Duncan fan. I'd be, I'd be surprised. Because Bill Clinton's going to influence that a little bit. Like I'm sure Bill Clinton can Bill get Clinton him an invite. Bill Clinton might be a Timmy D fan. Yeah. I. I he was in so. office when they. No, he wasn't in office when they won the championship. <laughs> no, was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, the, uh, the first one, ninety nine. Well, yeah, he was still yeah, there. Okay. So he met. He, he and Bill are tight. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Like, That's a I think long you time take friendship. Advantage of this Barack Obama friendship while right. Obama's still in office. Well, it's too late now. Uh, and I didn't mention this last week. I wanted to get to it, but there are only nine. Four games and five nights this year in the in the new NBA schedule. Wow, I didn't uh, even, I didn't look at that at all. So two years ago there were seventy stretches for all thirty teams uh, of four games and five nights. This year twenty one teams or sorry nine teams don't have any and twenty one teams have it just once. So sorry there are twenty one stretches, okay. not nine. But still that's, that's that's a good fix. It doesn't the league the season starts October twenty fifth. Yeah, that seems early. That's soon. That's not a lot. You of, don't like that? It's not a lot of off time for me. I, I'm so bored this week. Yeah, like, I'm really bored, but I also got a advanced free copy of Madden today, so I was oh. I was kind of working that in. That's pretty. Are you in that game too? You're in. No, NBA I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in that game. Uh, I'm also. Turns out when you haven't played Madden for a few years, not very good. Oh really? Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad now. It's I, taken, I'm I'm pretty rusty. I got it last year, but honestly, it's just not that good of a game. I, I like. I'm. Ha- I had fun. You're today. having fun today. Yeah. I mean, they gave you a game. Were you paid to say that? No, I was not paid to say that. Okay, great. Yeah. So go buy Madden whatever year No, it is. I don't buy it. Get a free copy. That's go what I did. Get a free copy. <laughs> uh, Mitchell Chetsky asked on Twitter, let's hear about the point guard position short and long term down to Neto and Mac. Okay. We take requests. Yeah. Uh, George Hill probably will try to be re-signed by the Jazz, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I, on a three-year deal. So Tony Jones said today, that he thinks the team will keep both Shelvin Mack and Howell Neto next year. Okay. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, because uh, you can play Mack kind of off guard as well. Yeah, basically bit. you just have to wave Chris Johnson. Yeah. And I like Chris Johnson. One of Tibor Place or uh, Joel Ballenboy, who doesn't have a contract, so he's not really waving him. Right. But you get it. Or you, you, they could stash him in the D League, right? Uh, but then they wouldn't own his rights. Oh, right. Then, yeah, that gets tricky. So you need to stash him overseas, so to speak. And then I don't, don't want to speak him. ill of Tibor Place, but I would. Go with Joel Bomb. I would too, yeah. I think. And so Tibor's like 26. 26. Yeah. He's almost as old as Milos Teodosic. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> uh, international players don't get how old they are. I- I've got more thoughts on this, but I want to take a break. We'll talk more about the point guard position and an update on NBA Catwatch. Whoa. Next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, last segment of the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, Let's go to the point guard thing before we talk about cats. Sure. (laughs) So ultimately, I think next year, like I said, I think they, I agree with Tony Jones. They'll keep Shelvin Mack and Howell Neto, Dante Axum, George Hill, both Dante Axum and George Hill can play off the ball a little bit right. too. So if you you know if you have a need to do that, you can. I think it's possible that you know Alec Burks and Rodney Hood, quite frankly, have not shown to be the most uh, injury 
not injury prone. What's the opposite of right. injury prone? In, injury, injury unprone. <laughs> injury, injury unprone. Injury upright? Injury. <laughs> prone is like when you lay down? Yeah. it's So pr- injury standing? Injury. <laughs> They're not so good at that part. Right. <laughs> uh, so if you, know, if you want to play Dante Exum or George Hill off the ball next to each other, you could. Right. Then you could play Shelvin Mack as your backup point guard or Howell Neto as your backup point guard or third guard or whatever have you. Uh I do also think that Neto, they like him. They think he's shown improvement in just one season, like his, especially shooting-wise. The shooting jump from his last year in the ACB to his rookie year in the NBA still defies all logic. Right. Uh, and so, you know, maybe he becomes a decent point guard that you want to keep a hold of in ages 24 through 28 or so for yeah. the next little bit anyway. Um, so I think they keep both, and there's no problems there. Also, Dante Exum just may not be a point guard. Right, like we don't really know what he is yet. Like they I, really think he's a point sure, guard. and he might he might be. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying I've right. seen evidence that he's not or whatever. But like, what if he's not? What if right. he's just a really good combo guard or wing or whatever? That's like, right. Could I, be. There's a chance at that, right? Yeah. I, I I think he's. I would most likely assume that he will be a point guard in this league. Yeah. But you never know. I think he's shown enough. Or at least one of the things I saw was passing. In his rookie season, like he, he yeah. tried to pass it enough that I felt like he, it was. A yeah, I mean, he looks like he has a solid feel for the game. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Here. So anyway, uh, I bet they keep both. Any other point guard thoughts before uh, Joel Ball and Boy Cat Watch talk? I'm interested to know what. I mean, this is projecting a little bit, but what George Hill will end up doing in free agency next summer? Yeah. Um, would it behoove the Jazz to give him like three years? 80 million is, that's crazy but like three years 75 like that's and that way you awesome. kind of keep them around i don't i mean i don't know i don't know what guys are gonna it, get like, a thousand percent in my mind depends on how good dante Exum is this year right yeah. if he's good you keep him if he's sorry if you're good you you get rid of george hill and say thanks and or you try to offer him a chance to be a part of something at a reasonable price right yeah and then i don't know if he would go for that right uh, unless he loves it here it turns yeah. out but you know probably not he probably is going to take the money right uh yeah, I, I agree. I think that's all it depends on. You could even offer him an, an extension right now um, Yeah, under the rules. Right. His agent has said he won't right. take Which it, but maybe you, you blow his socks off with yeah. three years, 75 or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of money. I don't think they do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, NBA Catwatch. NBA Catwatch. There is an NBA Catwatch Twitter account, um, Reddit feed, and all sorts of other stuff. Instagram account. They sell T-shirts. Uh stickers, all sorts of things. Basically, they make it their job to find NBA players who own cats. And the latest is Jazzman Joel Ballenboy. I'll just go ahead and read the tweets because there's a whole story behind this. Sure. Jazz Center Joel Ballenboy owns a cat named Fion. Via a knowledgeable source, there are now 18 confirmed NBA cats. Uh, There's a whole story here. So nine years ago, Joel asked his mother as an 11-year-old, if he could have a cat for his birthday. They went to the house of a coworker whose cat just had kittens. He really wanted a female cat and chose one. Too young to be adopted, so they waited a month. Joel thought of a name, came up with Fiona. Sure. Brought it home. So happy with his new kitten. Oh, Fiona's the greatest cat in the world. Kittens are great. Yeah. I'm pro kittens. I don't care, really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Six months later, take Fiona to a checkup. The vet tells Joel that he's actually adopted a male kitten and not a female kitten. How old is Joel at this point? 11 to 12 years old. All right. I don't know. 
That's a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that ball boy should have known the difference between... Look, I'm not saying you need to check on the cat. I just feel like out of accident, like just by accident, you would have seen something on the cat. That yeah. Maybe... I mean, maybe there's something physiologically with cats that makes it more I've, difficult. I've never had he a cat before. A par- he also has a family, right? Right. You uh, would think that they would know. So, yeah, because he asked his mother for the cat. Right. So, you know, maybe his mother would have been like, Psst, it's, yeah, I don't know. I keep like, calling Fiona. My dog sleeps on his back a lot. I know a dog is different than a cat in terms of anatomy, but it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, many animals have the same kind of stuff going on. You would think. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a biologist, but I kind of feel like that's true. Yeah, I mean, those, <laughs> an expert, though, a non-one of us, told Joel that... Uh, he Fiona was a male cat, yeah. and so he he thought it over. was was clearly confused at this point, and because he had already called the cat Fiona at this point, he just chose to drop the A and calls it Fiona now. Fionn. And that's that's the cat's name. All right. Fiona currently lives in Texas with no. the rest of Ball and Boy's family. He'll, NBA Cat Watch will update the story as he learns more. He or she, I don't know which, including a picture I'm hoping to get. Sure. <laughs> That was a story I had been working on for a few weeks. Just wanted working to make on sure for a few weeks. I got info correct and permission to share it. You know, I've been I, I've worked long and hard on this jazz dancer story. Yeah. So I get that. Sure. Uh, you know, sometimes there are just stories out there you got to chase. Right. And no, yeah. that's definitely one to chase. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's, it's NBA cat watch. No, NBA cat watch. There are only eighteen confirmed NBA cats. Yeah, which sounds high to me. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit surprised at that too. How many NBA dogs do you think there are? Two hundred. That's uh, that's a lot, but like uh, NBA players should probably not own animals, right? They, they are out in the world leaving these poor dogs at home, right? right. Or cats. Well, whichever. cats you can kind of leave, right? And just throw out For some days food. at a time? Yeah. I you go know. on your five-game road trip and come back in a couple weeks and hope he's still alive? Yeah, open the whole bag of food and just say, go for it. I'm glad Fionn's still in Texas because if he were here in Utah, I, I right. might be concerned. Yeah. Maybe we can bring Fionn to to the show next week. Uh, from Fionn. Texas, how are we? How well, are we I don't know. Like, well, they can ship him to us. Can you ship a cat? Yeah, you, they ship my dog to me. They shipped your dog. How did that work? They put him on a crate and they put him on a plane, and it was a whole service. Really? Like, a, like they didn't just like check it through the UPS, the, or something. right? No, <laughs> like they put it on. Like, there's a whole service that will do it. Huh? Yeah, I didn't know that at all. He's alive. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned so much more today there about you go. Wizards of New Zealand and everything else. If you missed out on anything, you can listen to the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, signing out on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.